This podcast was recorded on the lands of the Wongal people and the Yagara Turrbal peoples. This always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Strap in. Buckle up. It's story time, folks. This is Australiana Rama. Warning, in this episode I mentioned the names of some Aboriginal people who have died. Uh, There's also some swearing. There's also some spicy premier infighting, which is something we're definitely not used to right now. (laughs) Yeah, never heard of it. No, don't know her. (laughs) Hey. Hey, hey Maddie. Hi Jess. Good to see you. (laughs) Always better for seeing you, doll. Mm. Um, on this sunny October day. It's quite windy here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's uh, like it, it's like here, it's one day it's hailing and storming and the next it's like, how do you feel about swimming in your own sweat? <laughs> mm. And it's only October. It's too early for this. Queensland. Yeah, but it's even early for Queensland. That's true. Spooky. Spooky mm. times. Speaking anyway. of Queensland. <laughs> Speaking of spooky times. <laughs> mm, absolutely. It's part two. Yep. Part two, uh, the Fitzaroo, <laughs> which will make sense soon, I'm sure. Uh, but I hear your parents had some feedback from my previous episode. Oh, yeah, they did. Because well, often, you know, my parents, hello, big fans, um, listen to the podcast and then they'll message me or give me a call with just like some extra info that I didn't yeah. know about, like how I did actually see the Olympic torch relay or mm. that one of my cousins was in the marching band at the opening ceremony, which I only just discovered. Yeah, Joan anyway, and K80 this- are our biggest fact checkers. <laughs> <laughs> just fact adders. Yeah, um, yeah. But I do have I have one fact add from, from myself. Nicklin Way is named after the former Premier Frank Nicklin and not about. Ah, not, not after the early settler. Earlier. Yeah, no, because right. he was a before he ended politics, he was a pineapple farmer in Palmwoods. Oh, oh, might, that farm. Maybe I know you know that farm. him. Yeah, I know that farm. <laughs> it's across the road from my primary school. Mm. Yeah, but go. every second thing was called Nicklin and Palmwoods, and mm. because Nicklin was also yeah a founding family, we were just like we don't know which is which anymore. <laughs> mm. So Both. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So my parents, like for context, by in. 1980 they were in like 18 and 19 mm-hmm. so a lot of like the stuff in the 70s like they were you know kids and teenagers babies and then they're becoming young adults in the 80s and then you know thriving when expo comes around mm-hmm. at their peak. Um, yeah and they point out that the, the word gerrymandering is easier mm-hmm. to say than malapportionment <laughs> it means the same thing. Um, but you hear that word in terms of like US politics a lot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and so they're saying like at uni they like do remember like other people like going to like illegal protests and stuff and like throughout the 70s and 80s like in their households in Brisbane and like everyone they knew being like how is this man mm. getting elected? Like people couldn't mm-hmm. believe it. Yeah. Um, 
and it's because it literally was manipulated. Um, yeah. And mum said she remembers because in 1973 there was like the Whiskey A Go Go uh-huh. bombing. Uh-huh, which, which we'll do an epi on one, t- one day. Yeah. Yeah. And that there was, you know, police things around yeah. that and that's still there a were, bit like unresolved. And those guys ended up in Bogo Road, which we've done an episode on Yeah. Too. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, so all like the protests that were going in, on in the 70s and 80s because we went into it a little bit, um, but they were about like all kinds of things, like, like up against like a uranium mine mm-hmm. and there was a big like union one. Where like mm. the all the like electricity union or whatever, they all like went on a big strike and like everyone kind of joined them. So it's, you know they wouldn't have power at Parliament. They wouldn't send alcohol <laughs> to Parliament. So it was like a whole big thing. But like Bjork Peterson just smashed it down and like yeah. fired thousands of people, and it yeah was like a huge thing. And threw people into Bogo Road. Mm. which is actually a thing that I'm about to get to as well because another big protest sort of thing, which, I mean, obviously continues now, is like Aboriginal land rights Mm -hmm. um, all through that time. And, like, lots of people, like Aboriginal activists, did, like, leave Queensland in the 70s and 80s. Yeah. Um, And if you're listening to our, like, Ujuru episode, this Mm -hmm. is kind of more like context when she was around. So the juiciest piece of information <laughs> that my parents I'm had ready. to share with me, which I had no idea about, my grandpa, oh. who, you know, Maddie's aware of my grandpa. He's mm-hmm. he's passed away now, but like lovely, lovely, mm-hmm. extremely gentleman. Yeah. Always, you know, say good day. Um, you know, make his friends talk about their feelings. which was unusual for the time but yeah extremely gentle but apparently he was under investigation in the (laughs) 70s from like Bjork Peterson and his police because he'd been supporting some Aboriginal people who'd been locked up in Bogo Road for like protesting and like land rights stuff yeah so I don't I don't know who it was and I don't know like exactly what sort of like support he was providing but like essentially just from being a nice man yeah like visiting people who were like wrongly jailed he yeah. was then under investigation that's why which is wild I had no idea and because I mean, it's just not something that he would talk about of course not oh, yeah. it's just like, oh, you, just do, you just do the right thing yeah yeah um but yeah. Wow. So you have wow. a very strong personal connection. <laughs> Holy dooly. Yeah. Yeah. We there's it's we we not Bjork Peterson fans. Um Yeah. See my family were in the UK during most of this, so the Thatcher times, which were a similar times. Mm, similar <laughs> energy. Um, um so And I think yeah. <laughs> there's a Specific, like, high court case about, like, land rights, which I actually might do a whole episode on. It might be my next episode. This will become, mm-hmm. like, an anthology Great. series because, like, Bjork Peterson, my God, like, just in legislation mm-hmm. and personally just the worst um, and, like, denying <laughs> the sale of land yeah. to Aboriginal people. Like, there, there yeah. was a couple of instances of, you know, people just trying to buy their own land back. Yeah. And he would just make up new rules 
so that yeah. they couldn't. There is truly um, yeah. like a twelve-part series in honestly the things that he yeah. Achieved. So I'll come back. Yeah, I'll come back to that on another time. And yeah, that Bjorka Peterson in the media, they had certain phrases that he was known for. One being like, yeah. "Don't you worry about that." Yeah, it's like just don't ask questions. Yeah, it's the equivalent of walking away when not wanting to ask questions, which is what our prime minister does now. Yeah, it's a classic. <laughs> just turns around. It's <laughs> like, I'm done. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Imagine if I did that at work. Like, I just was like, I'm done. Mm. No more. I mean, I do that at work sometimes, no but like not in that way. You're just like, oh, we just have to go now. And then you leave. That's very different. Um, yeah, so that's that's hot goss from mum and dad this week. Thank you, mum and dad. Did you get any goss from anyone mm. else this this week? I did. Um, I a photographer that I did a photo shoot with. He was like, "Oh, I have a Bjorka Peterson story." Everyone in Brisbane has some kind of story, even if it's indirect. But his was quite direct. He <laughs> sung at his funeral. Oh, because he went. What did to, he sing? Well, he went to. <laughs> St. Peter's um, as a kid and was in the choir and Bjorka Peterson That's a fancy was, private school. Yeah, and Bjorka right? Peterson yeah. was somehow involved with St. Peter's uh, like on the board or donated money or something. Um, and so at his state funeral, all of St. Peter's Co. was there and they got the choir to sing. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. And like John Howard was there um, and so he was like, I have this distinct memory as a teenage boy singing to like Joe Bjorka Peterson's grieving family and John Howard being like two meters away from me. <laughs> I was like, okay. Yeah. Very strange. But even after all of the like Yeah, to still get a state funeral. That came out, it got a state funeral and the Prime Minister attended. Mm. Like that's full on, and we because we're going to go through we're going to go through some of the stuff now. I re- yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so to recap, um, in our last epi, we had just got to the point where Joe was like, "I am resigning from Premier." Um, he technically didn't resign; he just stepped down so that the deputy became acting premier so he didn't quit if that makes sense he just wasn't active at work he took leave essentially Um, yeah what year was this this was in 1987 and he was running for Canberra so the whole Joe for PM thing was Mm. becoming very real Uh, so he was going to run for the house of reps which you know he wouldn't necessarily become PM straight away but he was carving that path so this was in January 1987. However, in May 1987, a few months later, a very important news story pops up on Four Corners on the ABC. Classic. Yeah. Uh, the episode was called The Moonlight State. And for legal reasons, because I don't want to be sued by Joe Bjorka Peterson's estate, uh, everything I'm about to say <laughs> is reported slash alleged by the ABC. <laughs> Things are well documented, though. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. they are. But some of these are. We'll get to why I'm saying that. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) 
So I'm just, I am retelling what the Moonlight State laid out for mm-hmm. the nation. So Four Corners had an investigation um, episode called The Family Business, which was about the mafia. And this happened in 1986, so a year prior. And then a year later, this episode was considered the sequel, The Moonlight State. So Mm. after the family business episode, the National Crime Authority began a nationwide investigation of organized crime and each state had agreed to cooperate. It was codenamed Operation Vigilante, except Queensland did not agree straight away. They were really resistant to cooperating in this federal investigation um, (laughs) after the ABC were like, the mafia. And here is why they did not agree straight away. So Four Corners actually did this episode without official cooperation with the police and the government. They were often threatened and film equipment was smashed during the recording of this. And there is actually a clip included in the episode where we see them being threatened um, and it's the moment before a camera is destroyed, but they retrieved the footage, thankfully. Essentially what they claim is that there's this group called The Syndicate, which is a group of approximately four people who controlled the sex industry in Brisbane at the time. And the whole premise is that the police are happy, they're fine. They're not intervening. So there were double standards around what was allowed. So there was a quote Mm. from the um, episode from the journalist saying, what you can see on stage, you probably could not in the censored versions of Playboy. So Bjorka Peterson famously was very religious and had this whole kind of traditional family values approach to life and lifestyle and, you know, implemented rules around that, especially around queer people. But at the same time, allowed yeah he took all like the condom vending machines out of university bathrooms Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. and they censored playboy and stuff like that raiding Um, abortion clinics and things as well yeah so very yeah very anti-sex in all senses um but yeah the the hypocrisy was that if you went to the valley that was not the case so competition in Queensland's vice industry, which is, you know, a term that is becoming outdated, but how they referred to it then, it didn't exist. So the police protected the existing syndicate of business owners, not allowing anyone else to profit from the industry. So essentially the claims from the ABC, as well as there was another journalist in the Career Mail who published some stuff at the time. Remember when the Career Mail uh, did journalism? Crazy. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I don't remember because it's before my lifetime. (laughs) Yeah. But um, essentially their claim is that, yeah, their police protected this certain group of people and would take money from them. So... Sir Terence, which is the Queensland Police Commissioner, and Sir Joe, Bjorka Peterson, were very good friends. So Terence, or Terry, was about to become the longest serving in the role. Uh, He was about to hit his 11 years when this story was aired. But even when he was appointed originally 11 years prior, some people did, on the record, say that they did not want him to be in the role. Because is of this the police commissioner? Is that his... the commissioner? Yeah, Terry. Yeah. So Terry um, 
they, on the record, out in public, said that he had links to illegal gambling and stuff like that. Mm. But he was appointed anyway. So at the time of this story, he is about to become the longest serving and Joe Booker-Peterson was the longest serving premier. Also, the Minister for Police uh, said on the record, no prostitution happens in Brisbane's massage parlours. <laughs> like okay. Nope, it's not a thing. And then four, four corners after saying that, cut to an interview with a sex worker. Mm. So, so they immediately are like, um, <laughs> just kidding. And they they protect their identities. Um mm which is good, but they have actors replay the interviews. There is one person, however, who is on the record, a man who worked with the syndicate and publicly was like, yep, I'm doing it, I'm getting on the record, and we'll jump to him in a second. The ABC outlines that Hector Hapita is the man who owns the largest share of escort businesses in Queensland, and Geraldo Bellino's um, his family runs the gambling scene. So those are the two main families. The Hapita word like Hector Hapita. Yeah. Have you heard like adults say that as like a thing where it's just like, oh, goodness, Hector Hapita. Like, yeah. I didn't realize that, that was a name. Yeah. There was just and like there an are, exclamation when something was surprising or shocking. Hector and there Hapita. are businesses that are with like, you know, Bellino is still a name. Yeah. That is used mm. here. Yeah, yeah. So those are the two families. So my mum says that. Yeah, potentially. She was around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As we now I know. Idea. Yeah. Hmm. Um, so they, yeah, they are the families. Allegedly. Oh, that's fun <laughs> to say. Yes. <laughs> so, um, but both crossed into both industries, though. So they kind of dabbled into, you know, the sex industry and the gambling industry as well. Uh, Bellino mm. owned the famous Bubbles Bath House, which did both gambling and sex work, and neither had ever been prosecuted for prostitution in Queensland except once on a minor charge. So these two families publicly, people know you can go and get these services and they've never been prosecuted ever. Mm. At a time when it was all illegal and it was a police state. Yeah. 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 And because there is no competition, the sex workers are forced to work for little pay and in specific conditions because there's nowhere else they can go for work. And often up to 55% of their earnings in an evening would go back to the owners. So they would mm. pocket like 45% of what? Yeah. Uh, Queensland brothels caught fire more often than they probably should have. So in the 12 <laughs> months leading up to this story, four different sites were burnt down due to quote-unquote arson. Mm -hmm. And then one by a rival group was trashed and raided. Yeah. Yeah. So mm -hmm. there's various implications, like some is, you know, infighting, some is like, well, we're going to burn it down, claim insurance, you know, there's, yeah. But the police were like, it's arson. <laughs> Even though there's so many of them, arson just kept happening in the valley all the time. Mm, and like, is it connected? No, it's just random no, arson. No. Or an accidental you, fire. Who knows? Yeah, you can still go to clubs 
Um, well, yeah, you mentioned Whiskey A Go Go, which is, yeah, and Cloudland and like those, there's still places in the valley where it's like, this place burnt down in the 80s. <laughs> and now it looks like is, this. Is there somewhere still, there's not somewhere still called Whiskey A Go Go, is there? No. Or is it? No, no. Yeah, I was going to say, because a lot of people cloud. died. Yeah. 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 Mm. But it's it's just wild that you can walk through ugh, yeah, and see the yeah. footprint. Yeah. With mm. some of the newer buildings, newer as in like buildings from the late 80s, early 90s are from buildings haven't been burnt down by yeah. arson, allegedly. <laughs> mm. So, yeah, the man who was on record, um, he talks about his time working for the syndicate, which is pretty bloody brave to go on camera nationally mm. when, you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So he actually helped open up one of the bathhouses and he tells this story about how a man from licensing, so, you know, state licensing, came to pay him a visit one day to lay out the ground rules off the record. And the the licensing bloke was like, you can only have two phones. You are only allowed to put three ads up in the career mail. You can only have three girls and one you you must be willing to have one of those girls charged without any complications once a month unless he could come up with some kind of alternative offering for the police. Wow. Yeah, and they're like, you are allowed to operate if you do these things. Um, and so essentially they were like, yeah, advertise in the career mail but only advertise so that like enough people see it but not too many. <laughs> mm. Yeah. And you have to be able to have someone be charged or have something else to kind of avoid that from happening. <sighs> um, a while later, the guy, this guy on the record was told that he would have to have $500 ready for the licensing guy to come and pick up one night. So after he had opened. And then he also said that like he, the, the, the deal was that you would basically offer up one girl in lieu of getting raided by the police. So you would dub in someone for being a sex worker for your institution to not be prosecuted itself. That so is very were, grim. So they were getting these women to work for them and then dubbing them in. Mm. And the police knew. Yeah. There were also claims that the police would take money to not bust them mm. and there were... Um, exits around the back of buildings for people to bail before raids. So they were often tipped off that a raid was going to happen two or nights prior, two or three nights prior. And so they'd be able to kind of strategically leave. They'd be on standby mm. and leave. Yeah. Or they'd tell the girls to like go stay somewhere else for a couple nights and come back. Mm. Is that why things then got burnt down? Is that a theory? It's like, you know, people weren't there so they'd – yeah, potentially that it's that is never outlined. Mm. Yeah, I am sure that there would be so many different rumors and hearsay and stories, mm. but that they just don't know. aren't necessarily on the record. Yeah, mm. okay, they may know, <laughs> they may mm. not be allowed to talk <laughs> about it, which That's is why true. I'm like, <laughs> allegedly, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So one worker who um, off the record, but on the record just to the ABC, but, you know, yeah. One worker claimed 
that no less than $100,000 a month was being paid to police. That's a lot of money. Yeah. Like he clearly did some maths on, you know, because they had multiple bathhouses, multiple. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Sex workers often had drug addictions as well and there was this whole kind of scheme where the owners sold the owners of the bathhouses sold the drugs to them but they Mm. also technically were not allowed to take drugs so they would use that to fire them so that was another way to trap them into being prosecuted for something charged yeah yeah and also make money like so they're pocketing money from their addiction the police are then pocketing money for their addiction and they're being able to continue their illegal business Mm. yep Four Corners obtained a report on the drug trade in far north Queensland, so it's actually not just the valley, which is really interesting. Like that was a really big part of it, but Cairns and Townsville, like all of these other, um, you know, smaller cities in Queensland also had these same businesses run by the same Mm. families. So the northern coastline of Queensland is apparently very difficult to police because it's dense forest. And so there were lots of isolated airstrips that couldn't really be found unless you knew where they were and empty coves and caves along the coastline that were used to hide drugs. That makes sense. Yeah, and tree cover in that area meant that they could hide marijuana plantations really easily. Mm. And this is before the age of the drone. It's before, you know, helicopters were a thing that were used a lot by the police Mm. like yeah yeah so the they interviewed an ex-cop as well um and he was on the record which was really interesting and he quit because of all of the stuff that he became privy to and this ex-cop talks to the abc and he was from Cairns, and he quit the force to run a fish and chip shop up north um he often a raised, yeah it is yeah yeah he often raised concerns around the drug trade and the families running the farms but was constantly shut down and that's why he quit because he was like i just couldn't handle the corruption and the secrecy anymore and i realized mm. that the police were corrupt and now i sell fish and chips yeah yeah terry lewis um a good friend Terence, the police commissioner, the police commissioner supported the government and their agenda around anti-protest by arresting protesters. So he was often the one to issue those arrests. Um, The protesters often chanted no right to demonstrate Queensland police state. (laughs) So this is, these are probably the protests that your parents are talking about. Mm. And Joe tripled the police budget in this time tripled yeah so the four corners episode ends with the journalist you know director camera saying that lewis terry lewis and joe booker peterson are not necessarily responsible for what we've outlined this evening but they do make some connections where they're like you know peterson was sorry Bjorka Peterson was present at the opening of the Bellino family's marble mine, so they also had a hand in mining, which we mm. know that Bjorka Peterson had many hands in. Yeah. Yeah, 
and it was reported that the National Party potentially received a $50,000 donation from the Bellino family. The argument from the ABC was that if the police and government can't find illegal bathhouses and gambling houses in the city that the public can easily find by just wandering off the street, it is likely that they're unable to find something more sinister. Mm. And that's how they end the episode. <laughs> Ooh. Yep. So the fallout Enormous is, balls uh, at four yeah. corners. Yeah. yeah, and Career Mail. Um, the journalist at the Career Mail was mm. called Phil Dickey as well, and he published articles at the same time. So they all kind of, yeah, pull the trigger around the same time. And none of these stories were necessarily new or massively secret. It was just that they hadn't been collated and presented in such a compelling way for the whole nation to see before. So the public mm. pressure was higher than it had ever been. Yeah. It was one of those things where it was like if you lived in Brisbane or you lived in Cairns or whatever, you know, you kind of knew that this was happening. But to put it all together and present it, yeah, was kind of a big deal. Mm. And well, because like lots of just so many different things mm. were happening. So you couldn't So many things. Protest. It was almost like too like her- many things were happening for yeah. you to kind of distill it down into one scandal. Heritage buildings getting demolished in the night. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I, I just like everyone I know who everyone who grew up here in that time has some kind of story. You know, a friend of mine from theatre land, like he talks about a school excursion where he, they went and stayed at a hotel in the valley and the hotels had these um, in the hallway there was like a red phone next to the normal phone and if you picked up the red mm. phone it went to a very like <laughs> a voice that was like, ah, oh, that this feels like some kind of criminal thing is happening and the yeah. teachers were like, do not use the red phone. <laughs> you know, just all sorts of things like that where it's just everyone kind of has these anecdotes of, mm. you know, but because it was so rife, yeah, it was almost like yeah. too much to pull into one story, which is what they did. Because um, in this time, and again, it's probably a whole other episode about the Dean brothers, which mm. is still a, a company that demolishes things. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. still a demolition company in Queensland, the Dean Brothers, um, that, you know, because they were like, they're just doing their job. That's their their motto. Um, yeah. You can hire them to knock something down. Um, it happened the Bellevue Hotel, which was in Brisbane, which was like a heritage thing that Bjork Peterson decided yeah. to demolish against like a protest. And same with the Cloudland Ballroom, yeah, which we'll, we'll do a whole episode about. At some at this whole kind of yeah, so like heritage buildings were just yeah destroyed. knocked down, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was everywhere, and so mm. <laughs> in response to all of this and the public pressure that's come nationally now, so everyone's like, oh my god, Queensland is not okay. <laughs> <laughs> we knew it was bad, but oh boy, so yeah. In May nineteen eighty seven. <laughs> acting Queensland Premier Bill Gunn, so as we know, Joe had stepped down, mm. he orders a commission of inquiry. So Tony Fitzgerald was appointed to lead the commission of inquiry into possible illegal activities and associated police misconduct 
known colloquially as the Fitzgerald inquiry. So there were a few other people put forward, but they were all a little, there were two others that were a bit too closely connected to some things. Mm. And Tony Fitzgerald was this, um, yeah, younger, fresher person that didn't have, that we know of, you know, we assume that didn't have connections and so it was the right candidate for the inquiry. And Premier uh, Joe Birka-Peterson warned his deputy, you've got a tiger by the tail and it's going to bite you. (sighs) Publicly, his classic. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he liked to make public statements. Yeah, he really did. Yeah, Mm. it's just like everything's on the record. (laughs) Mm. So, yeah, exactly. So Tony Fitzgerald began formal hearings on the 27th of July, 1987. So things really escalate in 87. Like it goes, it moves quite quickly. And initially things are expected to last about six weeks but they end up spending almost two years investigating and interviewing people because there's just so much stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And over the course of the inquiry, it he broadens the powers of investigation several times because they uncover more and more problems mm. and they have to kind of cast the net wider and go, actually, we need to include this and this and we need to be able to do this and this. And so it becomes this bigger and bigger thing. Mm. So as a result of the inquiry, uh, a licensing branch sergeant, Harry Burgess, confessed to corruption. He implicates a couple of people, Jack Herbert and Assistant Commissioner, Police Commissioner Graham Parker. And then as a result of that, Graham Parker implicates the Police Commissioner, Terry Lewis. So mm-hmm. they're all starting to dub each other. They're going down. They're going to throw each other under the bus. Yeah. So that happens on the 16th of September. Um, Parker's like, it was Terry. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And then so the the inquiry actually surpasses Bjorka Peterson's government. So mm. <laughs> he ends up getting deposed by the National Party because they're like, oh, God, okay, it's happening, and they kick him out. And hmm. then Bjorka Peterson, after he's kicked out, he tries to start a coup and he tries to get the governor of Queensland to fire all of the ministers and reinstate himself. <gasps> wow. And the governor's like, no. Won't be doing that. <laughs> that is that is literally tipping into, like, legitimized dictatorship. Mm. <laughs> endorsed by the governor of Queensland, (laughs) who is the representative of the Queen. Uh, Wild. And so um, Mark Ahern becomes the new premier after Bjorka Peterson (sighs) during this time. And Mm. so then, like, evidence throughout the um, inquiry reveals, um, including testimony from Bjorka Peterson himself, like, (laughs) reveals that he's just caused significant political damage and has just tarnished democracy in Mm. Queensland. And then so in the end, former police commissioner Sir Terence Lewis is convicted of corruption. He is jailed and stripped of his knighthood. Former Premier, yeah, yeah, Sir Joe Bjorka-Peterson was charged with perjury and – 
Because it was that for some evidence that he gave it to the inquiry. Evidence he gave to the inquiry, yeah. Except his trial was cancelled because there was a hung jury. So he Mm. was charged and then never actually, like he wasn't actually, yeah, convicted. Yeah, because isn't it like that, you know, like the jury foreman was like a young national? It Allegedly. Mm. <laughs> I feel like that was a thing. Yeah, there's a. It's not just the jury. There's it. There's also um, allegations around the the judge and a few other things as well. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, Fitzgerald was really up against some potential uh, infiltration, basically mm. throughout the entire yeah. court. So yeah, there's and- a, there's a lot. Yeah, Bianca Peterson is elderly at this point, right? Yeah, yeah, mm. El- yeah, but still swinging. Like you know, yeah. he's not elderly, elderly in an incapacitated mm. way. Like he's he was going to be prime minister <laughs> in his mind. Yeah, in the in the nineties, there'd be no retrial because he's too old. Nineteen ninety two, when they couldn't reach a verdict for this perjury thing. Yeah. So, the minister for everything. Russ Hins was also identified as corrupt, but the died minister for of, everything. Yeah, that was his nickname because um, okay. he, yeah, he was a minister and minister for everything because he like he got things done. Mm. He was identified as corrupt, but he died before facing court. Yeah, there you go. Of natural causes. Yeah, mm. but by the end of the inquiry public sittings had been held over 238 days and heard testimony from 339 witnesses, including That's Joe. a lot. Yeah. So the Fitzgerald Inquiry set a precedent for commissions, including royal commissions in Australia, because it used methods that hadn't been used that much before, such as indemnity from prosecution, um, so basically, yeah, they were able to save some people by pinning the really big dogs and saying, if you dob this person in, we will not charge you. Please go and make mm. a good life of yourself. <sighs> yeah, which is a which is something that I still use to this day. And the, the 630-page Fitzgerald Report, 630-page, was tabled in Parliament in July 1989. So, yeah, two years later, and it made over 100 recommendations covering the establishment of the Electoral Administrative Review Commission and the Criminal Justice Commission and also entire reform of the Queensland Police Force, which we will get to in a second. But So basically, Mm. like, in the chaotic aftermath of Bjorka Peterson's resignation, his reluctant resignation, <laughs> the new Premier, Mark Ahern, um, he very deliberately, because he, he explains this to Four Corners years later in an interview, he very deliberately tied his government to Fitzgerald's recommendations, lock, stock and barrel. So he was like, nah, new, nah this is the new National Party, this mm. is what we're doing. Um, and then, <laughs> but of course, like through a series of um, leadership spills, he's no longer running and it's a whole thing. And then so, but like before that, in 1988, he establishes the Public Accounts Committee to scrutinise government expenditure. And this committee still exists. Mm-hmm. So 
yeah, they are the people that look at how the government's spending money and go yes, no. Um, and then, of course, yeah, leadership spills occur in quick succession and the National Party's reputation just goes completely down the drain. There is an election. And after that election, in December 1989, Wayne Goss of the Labor Party is elected as Premier. Woo! And then so his quote, he says on election night, this is the end of the Bjorka-Peterson era and the beginning of the Fitzgerald era. Also in 1989, the Criminal Justice Commission was formed based off of the recommendations from the Fitzgerald Inquiry. And this is a quote from the Crime and Corruption Commission Queensland website. And so they explained that this body was to be permanently charged with the monitoring, reviewing, coordinating and initiating reform of the administration of criminal justice. It was also to fulfil those criminal justice functions not appropriately carried out by the police or other agencies. It was the first of its kind in Australia, this commission. And this eventually turned into the Crime and Corruption Commission in 2001 and still operates in Queensland today. The other states followed suit. So there is a Corruption and Crime Commission in Western Australia. Tasmania has the Integrity Commission. The ACT is in the process of implementing one. ICAC, the Independent Commissioner Against Corruption, exists in the Northern Territory. There is one in South Australia. There is one in Victoria called IBAC. And there is an ICAC in New South Wales. Yes, there is. All because of the knock-on effect of the Fitzgerald Mm. Inquiry. Scott Morrison's coalition federal government has been promising a federal watchdog for corruption for nearly three years. They haven't delivered it. On October the 5th this year in 2021, he appeared on Sunrise after being questioned about the resignation of New South Wales Premier Gladys Berejiklian because of her investigation by ICAC. And he said that in response to rolling out a similar model in the federal government, he said, it is certainly not a model we'll ever consider at a federal level. We'll just leave that there. I think it speaks for itself. Yeah. <laughs> just place that quote. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I just want to say that, you know, on the record, like I don't believe the Queensland police are perfect uh, to this no. day, but this inquiry led to reform that needed to happen. And importantly, it led to a body, an independent body, an independent corruption watchdog. Mm. We don't have one federally, so that's good. My sources are (laughs) the Crime and Corruption Commission Queensland, The Conversation, Wikipedia, the ABC, News.com and Sunrise Channel 7. It's so (laughs) much stuff. (laughs) What a hectic time. Yeah. Hector Happener indeed. Yeah, <laughs> literally indeed. thought that was just like a series of sounds because it sounds a bit like oh heck, Hector yeah. I didn't know it was yeah. someone's name. Yeah, wild. Do some further research there. I mean, yep. I'll ask mum and dad see what they know. Yep. <laughs> yeah, ask Kay. Mm. <sighs> so, how do you feel uh, after all that? <laughs> well. You know what? I I don't know. Like I like because I knew some things, but I did not know all of these things. Mm. Yeah, and I guess you know it's that whole thing. Those who don't learn from history are doomed to repeat it. Mm-hmm. Um. 
So maybe I just I just think a federal um, version is a really good idea. Just yeah. me though. Just 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 that's just my one woman's opinion. Why not? Opinion. Why not? You know? yeah, yeah, just us. Just us. Mm. Two. <laughs> just us two gals. Yeah. Just having a chat. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's so wild because it's like all this stuff happens and then in 1992 I'm born, you know? Like it's just yeah, it seems like so far from the distant past but it's really not. It's not. And the fact mm. that, you know, ACT is in the process of implement, like they tabled I think it was in 2018 or 19, they started that process of having their version of ICAC. Um, mm, for the capital that's, territory. That's, that's, that's like... Yeah, that's not that long mm. ago. No, um, not at I mean, all. Yeah, it's pretty. Yeah, so Queensland paved the way, but only because <laughs> it had to out of necessity. Um, mm. yeah, yeah, but that you know, like Bjorka Peterson's an example of what can happen when there is no independent body saying yeah, no. Like how far how far it can go. Mm. Um, I've just remembered another piece of feedback that I did get from from someone um, that Flo's pumpkin scone oh. recipe mm-hmm. is actually really great. Yeah, I've heard. Yeah, maybe like it I'll has to be. You know, scones. For, it to, yeah. for it to have transcended all of this. I'm sure I've had one and just not known. You know, I'm, I've had pumpkin scones. We we we've yeah, we've I've had a pumpkin scone and enjoyed it. But yeah, next week, I thought because there literally there is so much stuff from this time, and I came. Mm. A, Across like one particular, like Supreme Court land rights case, which I think is worth a whole episode, um, and right. it's K- Kawata versus Bjorka Peterson, nineteen eighty-two. Great, and that is what I think the next episode will be called. Amazing. Let's stay in this time that has never been repeated. Yeah, <laughs> I reckon there's a there's a big <laughs> anthology in here. Yeah, some of it more fun than. Well, some of them more lighthearted than others, but yeah, yeah, super fascinating stuff. Also, just like throughout all of this, Expo eighty eight happens. <laughs> just saying, like yeah. Expo eighty eight is happening while this is happening. It's mm. on. The Queen is and just here. Feel, um, because me and Maddie do this remotely, and I can see in the background of her screen her um Expo eighty eight tea towel, oh, which yeah, she has displayed true. proudly on the wall. Yeah. Which you gave to me. Yeah, I did. Yeah, this is all leading up to eventually an episode about Expo Radio. Or many episodes. Anyway, yeah, follow us on Instagram, Australianorama, um, or send us an email, australianorama at gmail.com. Yeah, send us a, a little message on Instagram. That's always mm. nice. Mm-hmm. Tell your friends, tell your mum, tell your dad, tell everyone if you, yeah. if you like us. And if you're hearing the word ICAC in the news and you don't actually quite know what it is, have a look. See what they do. Recommend it. Mm. Recommend just having, having a cheeky read about that. Yeah. It's fascinating stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, oh. we'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs> Bye-bye.